0: Well, we are working our way through Romans, and um, we're near the end. Romans 16, verses 17 through 23 this morning. Romans 16, 17 through 23. And let's take some time just to unpack the Word of God together. Hear now the Word of God. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites, Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. Soto, Lucius, and Jason, and Sosipater, my kinsman. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, who was host to me and to the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Quartus greet you. The word of God. Well, ever since the Church of Jesus Christ was first established, she has been plagued by troublemakers. People that have desired either to see the church destroyed or to see the church shaped to their own will. This, of course should not be a surprise. After all, Jesus himself predicted the rise of troublemakers in the church. Matthew 7.15 says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Early in the days of the infant church, the Apostle Paul said this, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Acts 20:19 through 20 and 30. And his final charge to Timothy, after telling him to preach the word, the Apostle Paul explained this. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. Beloved, after 2,000 years Troublemakers are still inside the church. I hope not in this one. But this is like preventative maintenance. Right? There are those within and without the church who work against the plan of God and seek to mold the church to how They want it. Now, the best defense is a good defense. Therefore, it will do us good this morning to hear what the Bible says about how to handle troublemakers in the church. So that when trouble does arise, and it will, we'll be able to identify it and deal it a death blow before serious damage is done to the church of God. Another benefit of looking at a topic like this is this. Don't be the devil's pawn. Don't let him use you to hurt the church. People unwittingly can become the devil's pawn. It's not safe for you to do that. Now, Paul just says, greet everybody with a holy kiss, right? So some people have looked at this and say, wait a minute, here he is talking about greet this person, greet this person, Greet everybody with a holy kiss. And he says, by the way, I appeal to you to watch out for those who put obstacles and divisions in the church. Some liberal commentators have said, wait a minute, this has got to be wrong. Somebody must have added this on. But of course, we don't believe that there are any errors in the word of God. There aren't. And so Paul Constantly was battling false teachers who hounded his steps and perverted the truth of the gospel. He was writing from Corinth to Rome, and everybody knows there were lots of weird things going on in Corinth. And he didn't want anybody at Rome to be led astray. He had heard that they were doing well in the Lord. And he wanted that to keep going on. But you and I must know that the present is no guarantee for the future. Couldn't help it. (laughs) Now, Paul's words this morning, he dropped into church. He said, Well, church is a weird place, right? Here we are singing to somebody invisible, stained glass on the wall sitting here in pews. These words are totally out of sync with our current culture where the chief virtue is tolerance, right? Tolerance is the virtue. you got to believe everything, whatever. You can't say anything. You can't do anything, right? Whatever somebody believes, you have to say, yes, that's great. You know, you even have to ask people, oh, what are your pronouns, Okay, I'll use your pronouns. I'll refer to you as they, even though you're a singular person, and it's terrible grammar. I was, in a, I was in a room last week, and they were referring to they, they, and they were like both singular, and there was a plural group. So I didn't know if they were talking about the singular or the plural. Finally, I just said to the young man, can you just use good grammar? And that way, at least we'll know what we're talking about right? They did this. They're calling she's hers, but no, I'm sorry, she's him's and the him's hers. And I was all confused. Everything was like wrong, right? At least the grammar that I grew up on. Maybe it's me. I'm wrong. I'm just a old dinosaur, perhaps. See any scales on my back? But tolerance is the chief virtue. And now some of the biggest denominations in the world are blessing sin. Did you ever think you'd see a day where two men could get married and then the church would come and bless it? That's not just Roman Catholic, but there's some Protestants doing it too. And guess what? It's going to become more prevalent. And you and I will be huddled together more closely as the things happen. You may say to yourself, I remember the days of Billy Graham. He was such a great evangelist, and he was. But Billy made some big mistakes. 1978, he was interviewed by McCall Magazine. And he said this, and I quote, I used to believe that pagans in far countries were lost if they did not have the gospel of Christ preached to them. I no longer believe that. So, Billy thought that people could get saved without Jesus Christ and without the gospel. And some people in Christianity were very happy about that, and others were appalled. And you didn't know that. But what an era to swallow. He says, Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Amen. Amen? But you see that even obedient Christians need to be on guard against false doctrine, against false teachers who deceive others. Believers Also, must be on guard against those who cause divisions and create obstacles in the church. Paul warns his readers of spiritual dangers before he closes a book. He says, Watch out, beware. There are people that look nice on the outside but they're causing division in church and creating obstacles inside the church. Some teaching false doctrine. And he says, I appeal to you, brothers, watch out for them. Church strife includes two elements, internal divisions, And false doctrines. Paul meets them with two commands. Ready? Watch out for them. We already said that. And something you wouldn't believe. He says, avoid them. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Dave. Are you saying avoid people? Yep. Because that's what he says. There are certain people in the church or outside the church that you are to avoid warn a divisive person once then warn them again then have nothing to do with them says the Bible Paul believed in the necessity to contend strongly for the faith in fact he sums up his ministry saying fight the good fight of faith. He didn't shrink from controversy. But there are some that are not going to back off from their dissension and from their obstacles. Why? Because they're not saved. They're not Christians. Not everybody in the church is a Christian. I pray it's not anybody here. Some people go to church for other reasons. Not to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. It's just the way it is. They seek to gratify themselves. Maybe they seek power It's the only thing they could be in charge of. Nobody let them be in charge of an organization on the outside, but maybe they could be in charge of something in church and feel important, feel powerful. At the end of the day, false teachers, those who cause division and obstacles, really want to promote themselves. It's a hard word, isn't it? It's a real hard word. But we're not supposed to sit here and not. Ignore it's here. I appeal to your brothers to watch out. We are to watch the enemy, lest he slip in on us and cause problems in our church. We are to keep our eyes open against those who would infiltrate the church Of God. When you see your dog, and your dog sees another dog or a deer outside, what does he do? Hey, Tom, there's a dog outside. No, he goes over to the window and he freaks out. He watches that dog. He barks right. And you might even hit the window. We used to have a dog next to us that we thought was coming through the picture window of our neighbor's house. It's a doberman pincher. I said, if that thing comes through that window of that house, I'm running for the highest spot I can find. Dog's name was Roxanne. Hey, Roxanne, you stay there, girl. You stay there. In the same way, We are supposed to be watching. Wake up. Watch what's going on. Most people, you know, resist correction. Do you know that? They resist correction. It's not always possible. And... This is hard to say but there's a time with people sometimes when you have to move on. There's a time in a community when a church should probably move on. Jesus said if you come to this community and preach and they reject it what does he say? Shake the dust off your feet and move on to the next one. It's hard to say. But a man or a woman who is devoted to false loves won't heed correction unless the Spirit of Christ miraculously intervenes. So Jesus says, avoid them. The command. To avoid them releases leaders, family members, and friends, and co-workers from the perceived obligation and the burden of staying in demonstrably futile relationships. When someone leaves the church and manifests themselves as unsaved, it's not my job to chase them for the next 10 years nor yours, but to let them go. Some people just want to be let go. They want to be left alone. As sad as that is, Jesus says, avoid them. Holds true for pastors. Some people come after pastors and make accusations. And there's a mechanism for those accusations to be made. But there comes a time when those accusations when they're shown to be transparently false that those people need to be avoided. I tried to bring peace and I failed. Now I will heed Paul and avoid them. Imagine a bird in the wild Which sees a snake nearby. Before that bird knows what has happened, its gaze has become fixed on the hypnotic stare of the snake. Stands there paralyzed as the snake draws ever nearer. It wants to flee. But it's trapped. And before long, it's lunch. I think they just swallow it all. No spoons, nothing. They don't have any arms. They can't use spoons or napkins. The same thing happens in the life of a believer whose roots don't go down very deep in the things of God. They will begin a dialogue with a false teacher with pure motives. They want to win them to Jesus. But before they know it, they're over their heads. And they find themselves trapped in an argument they cannot win. When they hear what sounds good, they're drawn away from the things of God into a false system of worship. It happens all the time. Therefore, the best course of action when dealing with those who would divide the church is to avoid them. Don't be caught in the stare of the snake. You'll be lunch. This is true in any area where people cause trouble in the church. They are to be avoided. We must not allow anyone to sow the seeds of discord in the house of the Lord. When a person gets to a place in their spiritual life, when they're willing to destroy the church to get their own way, the church is better off without them. Clear, isn't it? It doesn't matter who they are. This is what the Bible teaches and it teaches it other places too. Let's go to Second Thessalonians 3:14 through15. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with them that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy but warn him as a brother. Pray for him, love them, but let them go. The goal here is to protect the church and to allow the spirit room to open the eyes of the offending brother you hope and you pray for their restoration but it doesn't always come tough word huh and I would feel like dishonest if this wasn't like if I wasn't preaching lexio Continua Meaning, I'm just going through Romans and I just happen to be parked right here because this is next. And I'm not saying anything about anybody in particular. I'm saying it for us that we would be armed and wise. Right? Because guess what? The conflict will come just up around the bend. I used to be in an elder in a church before I was a pastor, and we used to start our elders meetings, and the pastor would say, okay, where is it coming from now? (laughs) He was a wise old man. He was a pastor for 40 years, and he would say, you know, it's kind of one of those things. Even obedient Christians need to be on guard against false teachers. False teachers sometimes are not people necessarily that say things that may be blatantly false. They may be that. But they're also people that don't tell you everything. Right? They're not false teachers because of what they say necessarily. But they're false teachers for what they don't say. They conveniently leave out stuff. Because they know if they leave out that stuff, they'll draw a crowd. And they want to draw a crowd because they want to draw a paycheck. You see what I'm saying? I've used this with juries over and over again. You've heard the plaintiff, but remember what you didn't hear. It's true. We could just skip over this and say, oh, this is so unpleasant. I like to greet and love everybody, greet them with a holy kiss. That's so much nicer on a Sunday morning, especially when it's snowing out. It's probably snow melting outside because of this right now. Um, Such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. Little by little, the heart of evangelical Christianity is being corrupted in churches across the nation. They look nice, their buildings are nice, their worship sounds nice, they have sweet purple stages and colors, and everything looks good. The people are enthusiastic. There's guitars and keyboards, and I love guitars and keyboards and all that stuff. And it's all great, and the pastor is so uplifting, and it's so wonderful, and everybody's smiling and hugging each other, and the doctrine is corrupt, and most people don't even know it. They don't. Go to Sunday school. I beg you, go to Sunday school. Please, would you like me to pick you up? What's one extra hour? What else are you doing on Sunday morning? Watching the NFL lineup? I'll come get you. I'll pick you up. We have a bus. You got to know. You know why? Because there comes a day when I won't be around. And you... Will be standing there by yourself, hopefully able to stand like a man or a woman of God in a culture that's corrupt. It looks good. It sounds good. You even think it's good, but you're deceived. It's twisted. And just because a church has 50,000 people in it doesn't mean that they're not all deceived. We think that, you know, if something's popular, oh, this restaurant's great. Everybody goes to it. It's got to be good. Do you ever have one of those things where someone give you a restaurant recommendation? Oh, yeah, they're always busy. You go there and say, oh, man, what's terrible. You know, and it's like the place is busy. Everybody's going there. I've been to Chinese restaurants like that. I'm not picking on Chinese restaurants, but I've been to one and I went, This place is terrible. Just because people go to it doesn't mean it's good. Right? And just because not a lot of people go to it doesn't mean it's bad. They say that the actual average church preaching the gospel in America today will probably be somewhere between 50 and 75 souls and won't get any bigger. Why? Because some people get tired of hearing the truth and they check out. Don't call me to account. Don't tell me there are things in my life I need to work on or pray about. I'm out of here. I'm going to the place down the street. They've got 600 people and they don't know if I'm at church or not. No one's holding me to accountability. No one's watching over my soul, I can get lost. You see what I'm saying? Now, be innocent about what is evil. Here's the principle. Don't fill your mind with what is evil. You're supposed to keep a pure conscience. That applies to children so very much. You're bringing up your kid, Do not fill their head with the evil of the world. You are better to protect them and keep them naive about these things as possible. And the world says, no, what we're supposed to do is give them sex education as soon as we possibly can. We're supposed to do it in elementary school. We're supposed to tell them about all this perversity right away so they can make up their mind and not get diseases and stuff. And the Lord says, no, be innocent about what is evil. Keep your kid pure. Amen? Amen? Keep your kid pure. This kind of innocence is good, not lamentable. Some people can't. Because of the virtue of the work they do. Keep their conscience clean and pure. And can't be naive about evil. You know who they are? Police officers. you would better off not asking them what they've seen. Soldiers. Soldiers. Lawyers. Counselors. Pastors. Physicians. They cannot stay naive and do their jobs. But certain adults can foster a godly naivete for themselves and their families. Shun entertainment that depicts evil. I don't know what the statistics are, but it says by the time you're like, you know, 18, you've seen like a thousand murders on television, the average person. Is that a good thing? No. No, it's not. So we are to avoid evil. There are some chemicals that look and smell just like water. Michael would probably tell us. But if they are drunk like water, they will cause death. You'd better know the difference. So it is with the church. Some things sound good on the surface but you have to be so familiar with the real deal so that you can tell the difference. False doctrine will divide the church and send your soul to hell. And I know That's not a popular thing to say. But it's true. And I'm not here to scratch itching ears. Otherwise, I'd be somewhere else. Right? I'm bivocational. It's a wonderful thing. I can tell you the truth. You can fire me. I don't care. It's a beautiful thing the Lord has concocted. Watch out for people who possess a divisive spirit. There are some people who are divisive. And they would teach things contrary. Be committed to the word of God. Know it inside and outside. Know it. Believe it. Live it. But that Word of God, through the Spirit of God, will keep you safe and it will keep you on the pilgrim pathway onto Jesus Christ in the celestial city. Amen? We were talking about this in Sunday school this morning. We're walking on a ridge. On one side is legalism. And the other side is licentiousness. And somebody is just waiting to push you off on either side and send your soul to hell. You've got to stay on the narrow way. It's a narrow way, folks. It's a narrow way. And you need the Word of God going over your gills. You know why? Because you and I have the same, I like this, we have the same problem. It's called mindlessness. Mindlessness. We go through the week and most of the stuff in our brain from Sunday leaks out Monday through Friday and Saturday. We forget the stuff and then we go to church and we oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. That's why if you go a month without church, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. If I didn't preach every week, I'd probably get up here and start st- stammering. Like, bah, 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 bah. You gotta be in church, guy, right? got to be in church. It's not for my benefit. It's for your benefit. Listen. Learn. Live it. Be Christ-like to other people. Be skilled. You don't have to experience sin to be against sin. Stay naive about sin. And don't watch and listen to the new perversity. There's new perversities coming out. Like you've never heard of before. It's gross. Kids, this is the culture we're in. And it's only getting worse. Avoid it like the plague. Try to turn off the television. Please try to avoid so much social media. The devil's time is short. He knows that. And he's pulling out all the stops, trying to take as many souls to hell as possible. He's trying to do as much damage as he can in the time he has left. He's trying to destroy the home. And if you can't see that, you're blind. And he's trying to d- divide the church. And if you can't see that, you're blind. He's trying to wreck lives, steal youth. He's doing all he can to tear down the kingdom of God. But there's coming a day getting closer all the time when he'll be brought low and he will bow before the king of kings and the Lord of lords and the Lord God will flick him into the lake of fire. The saints will be victorious. How are you doing today? How's your heart? Are you sure you're saved today? If you are, how do you know? Have you been guilty of joining hands with the devil and causing trouble in the house of God? I don't know. Are you living a life that insulates you being caught up in the deception and wiles of people in the devil? If there is a need, go see King Jesus. He will help you. Because it says at the end that he will give you grace, forgive you, and strengthen you to walk. Again, in a way that pleases Him. There's a comeback. There's always a comeback. Amen? Always. There's always grace. Don't think that this is like condemnation. There ain't no condemnation. Right? And Paul at the end, he says, Tertius says, I wrote the letter. Some people say, oh my goodness, Tertius wrote the letter. I thought Paul wrote the letter. No, Tertius wrote it because Paul was like, Hey, Tertius, I can't write anymore. Write this down. Tertius was his secretary, right? But Paul's missionary heart, his visionary heart is contagious. It's protective, too. He wants to protect his people. That's why we say these things. We live in a heartless world, folks. We live in a heartless world. But we're here to be protective of one another in our walks. That all, right? We'd all get there in heaven together. Amen? And we will be like saying, wow. I can't believe it. You know? So let's end if you like to read, read this book, Warnings to the Churches, by J.C. Ryle. Warnings to the Churches. Great book. Written yesterday. Nope, written in the 19th century. J.C. Ryle was a pastor in England, and he wrote about how difficult but yet necessary, controversy in the church is that exposes error and division. He added, there's one thing which is even worse than controversy, and that is false doctrine tolerated, allowed, and permitted without protest or molestation. after acknowledging that many would view what he writes as distasteful, he states this, and I'll close, three things which men ought never to trifle with, a little poison, a little false doctrine, and a little sin. Amen. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we thank you for the warnings of Scripture. We thank you for this one. Help us, Lord, to um, understand it. Help us to practice it. Help us, Lord, to walk as we should. Be pleasing to you. In Christ's name, and everybody said, Amen.